Get out the insurance cards, get out the co-pays. The office is open, my friends, as this video is brought to you by DrRoto.com. All right, welcome in, everyone. We are here tonight for a very special edition of the Braddock Breakdown. My name is Eric Romoff. You can find me on Twitter at Fantasy Navigator. You can also find my work at the newly minted drrodo.com. And I also want to welcome in and introduce uh, my newest colleague over at drrodo.com and this show's namesake, Mr. Jason Braddock. Jason, how's it going tonight? What's on your mind? Very well. I'm excited to get this going with you. Been working with Eric a little bit behind the scenes. Now to be able to jump out here in front of the camera and talk some talk about something that we both love, and that's the NBA. A lot of action's been going on, whether we're talking about the NBA draft, free agency. We got a lot to get into and no one I'd rather do it with at drodo.com than my guy Eric. Yeah, it's it's gonna it's gonna be a fun night and it at least for me. Absolutely. Um, the, the, the off season of, of the NBA is is probably one of the more uh, more action packed and fun uh, uh, off seasons or downtimes between between play out there. It's so fast paced. It feels like the the second that we get uh, done with the finals, we're heading into draft. We're heading into free agency. I mean, it was just a few short weeks ago that Giannis was host, hosting the trophy, and and now we've got the draft about a week behind us. Got four or five days of free agency already already cooking, so really how, how fun you, time. How do you even feel about that championship, though, Eric? I mean, all the injuries that happen. I know. Let's don't jump out there and be the guys that say asterisk talk, but I mean, in that same vein, how do you view it with all the injuries that both of these teams in the Eastern and Western Conference went through to get that championship? Is it a little fraud? Yeah, I, I wouldn't go quite as far to to call it a fraud or start throwing asterisks, right? Um, maybe not quite to this extent, but you, you look back over the history of the association and there's a lot of injuries that were uh, paving a path for uh, a number of champions, right? So I, I don't think that that's unique onto this year. What I right. do think is is particularly interesting is that the injuries themselves were so significant and so widespread that I think it has a lot of teams taking a closer look at themselves in the mirror and really thinking that if – they position themselves right in the offseason, they could actually be this year's Milwaukee or this year's Phoenix, someone that you know wasn't quite the favorite heading into the postseason that's there in the finals when, when it's all said and done. I definitely felt like the the finals, the championship was altered due to all the injuries, especially down the stretch there in the playoffs. Uh, like you said, though, injuries always play a factor into the equation. But I don't know if it's so much to this level as what we've seen this past season. But to your point, one thing you mentioned that I like there, Eric, is uh, you're leaning towards how teams are looking at their roster, especially when they got hit by those uh, those injuries. I think death. Depth, excuse me, is going to be a key factor not only in the NBA but Major League Baseball, NFL, and through all major sports. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's especially coming off of 2020 and, and the pandemic year, the bubble for the association, right? Um, there, there was a lot of basketball played in about 13 calendar months, right? Um, yeah. And I, I think that it, it really took a toll on the bodies of these players, and it, it really did put a premium on on depth. So. That, you know that that set to or set out to inform this offseason strategy for a lot of teams and like i mentioned at the top that offseason started with the draft we are about a week removed 
the the Detroit Pistons are the lucky team that had the ping pong balls break in their favor. So they were on the clock there leading up to the 101, and they kicked it off with Cade Cunningham, the, the, the guard out of Oklahoma State. So my question for you, Jason, if mm-hmm. if you're sitting there in, in Detroit's front office, you've got the 101, are you going that same direction, or are you maybe looking at a different player? Uh, me personally, if it's me making the decision, I'm going with the guy who I think. I know the general consensus was that Kate Cunningham was the best player in the draft. Some people felt leading up to the draft that he was a generational talent. I, I don't agree with both parts, but I did have Kate slightly behind my number one prospect, which was Jalen Green. Uh, just watch that guy. I mean, he is instant offense. You add him into the mix. It's going to be exciting to see what he can do with all those other youngsters down there in Houston. Yeah, Houston. Houston got young quick, right? And Absolutely. and they're they're one of those teams. Looking back at the story of the draft, um, you know, uh, like it or not, we are in the age of tanking in the NBA, right? So there are a number of teams, Houston included, that had several lottery picks, multiple picks in the first two rounds. Uh, I think Houston had four. The Knicks ended up with four. Uh, Orlando and Golden State both had multiple picks in the lottery, right? So mm-hmm. looking back, there there are a lot of teams that changed their outlook for uh, for the near to midterm. So with all of that being said, what do you think, or who do you think is is the team that that won the night on on draft day last week? Uh, as far as winning tonight, I'm I'm not sure. I mean, it's going to come down to personal evaluations. Where do you think the teams are going? Your personal projection on these prospects. But yeah, for for me though, uh, seeing how we're talking about Houston, let's stay right there for a second. Four first round picks, four guys that are all 19 years old, going with a 20 year old Kenya Martin Jr. who busted on the scene last year, a 21-year-old Kevin Porter Jr. Uh, then you've got the rookie from last year, although he was 25 years old, and Jay Sean Tate and Christian Wood right there in that same age as well. It'll be interesting to see what this team will do. It has that kind of fab five feel, even though it's not five freshmen coming into college. You have all these youngsters between 19 and 21 years old that have elite talent. Now, not all of them are going to shake out, but the prospects they hit on, you feel good maybe even about three, three of those four prospects, even if you hit on that a 75% hit rate on those first-round prospects with the talent they already have on the roster, uh, man, that rebuild took an expedition. <laughs> I mean, it was expedited yeah. on draft night. Yeah, yeah, ab- absolutely. Houston Houston got young real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, on a, on a similar vein, specifically with teams that had uh, quite a bit of assets in, in their portfolio on draft night, I, I really like what, what Golden State did in terms of the players they selected. Sure. In terms of whether or not holding those assets or bundling them in a trade was the right move for that organization and where they stand today, I think is is a is a different question. But in, in terms of the, the talent that they acquired, granted, again, very young, um, I think the Warriors have to be really happy with how they how they turned around that seven and that eleven pick. In, in yeah. the 21 run. You get John, you get Jonathan Kamunga, a guy that played 
in the G League there with Jalen Green, Isaiah Todd. Uh, you, you had so many young stars there. It's, it's going to be interesting to see how these guys grow and develop because it was a tough read in such a small sample size with all these elite stars in the G League put together and see who could shine the most, basically. And we saw what Jalen Green uh, could do. While the percentages and the rawness absolutely jumped out to you with Jonathan Camus, Kaminga's tape that upside is exponential for him and then like you said to come back with Moses Moody and not only let's not forget the number two pick from last year James Wiseman so they got guys that they can bring in some youth to combine with those vets or that Ben Simmons deal could always just be there right in the back we've seen the report today where Ben Simmons isn't talking to anyone (laughs) with the 76ers organization and there's also in that report that he could have that mutual interest to go to Golden State. It'll be interesting to see if any or all of those young prospects head over to the uh, East Coast, in Philadelphia. Yeah, it's, it, it, it is a really dynamic situation, right? Um, we, we think about Ben Simmons, and it, at least for me, I, I love the idea of, of how Ben Simmons would fit into this team. But it might be the best those, fit in the league, right? I mean, the, uh, where yeah. does he fit? What defensive strong vision, ball handler, 6'10", matched up with Draymond. They got that same type of mentality to push each other. You've got the vets and Steph and Clay going for the ring. It's it's pro- There's probably not going to be a better fit for Ben Simmons. I know that's not Daryl Morey's number one uh, uh, goal. But, I mean, if you kill two birds, one stone, everybody comes out happy. Yeah, I would, I would, I would worry that – Mm-hmm. Maury would think he'd be getting a little bit too young with with the way his roster is constructed today. Well, let right? me ask you this: because with you saying that, you just triggered something else to me, Eric. And I want to uh, ask you this question: so, would it be getting too young for him when you've got the uh, the young guards there? You've got if you get these, let's say you get three of those prospects, maybe some other picks as well in a Ben Simmons trade. Uh, we saw a report come out, what, about three, four days ago that Daryl Moore contacted his former team or, or was in contact in the report. I'm not sure who reached out to who about possibly Tobias Harris going to the Houston Rockets. So Ben Simmons is on that trade block. Tobias Harris is on that trade block. We know Joel Embiid's injury history and also it's probably been a little bit too much made of the beef, so-called beef with you-know-who. Still some rap lyrics there. But Andre Drummond, Joel Embiid, what if that is just a tea leaf there telling us that maybe they're going younger all the way across the board? Move out Joel Embiid, move out Tobias Harris, move out Ben Simmons and take all those assets and rebuild just like his former team, the Rockets, did. Yeah, um... So, so for those who who aren't familiar, Jason and I are both Houston guys, right? So we've right. we've been watching we've been watching uh, Daryl Morey work for a while, and I don't see him as one who's going to head back into more of a rebuild mode, right? I I do think that he is very much so going to stay in motion, right? So right. if this hypothetical deal with Golden State were to transpire. I don't think that all of that youth is going to stay on the Sixers roster for long. I do think they like the idea of trying to develop him, use him as as some much needed depth, right? We saw how much sure. injury has impacted this team in the past. But mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, he he ends up with four guys under the age of 20 and two or three of them might be out the door before season's end. Um, we uh, know Daryl Morey likes the will and deal. He's definitely yeah. not shy pulling the trigger a couple times. He's, He's he's up there playing fantasy basketball with the rest of us, right? Uh, Except he's got an MIT uh, degree, so yeah, that's a little bit better. My South Lawrence High School education. 
<laughs> yeah, he's he's definitely making the numbers work. But to the to the point at the the, the top of the, um, the the discussion about Golden State, I I do think that Ben Simmons fits there beautifully. the The idea of him studying and learning under Draymond Green, um, and then the pieces around him. Last last year, Ben Simmons created more three pointers for his teammates than any other player in the league. Um, so the idea of dropping that into uh, into a situation with Steph, with Clay seemingly uh, on track to be available next season, um, you know, it, it it really does look like the perfect fit. And his agent, Rich Paul, is now uh, heading into phase two of his playbook. Right, he's now mm-hmm. instructed Ben Simmons to cut off all communications, which is very much so the path that he went down with Anthony Davis on his way out of New Orleans. Um, so it, it does seem like a, uh, a departure from Philadelphia is in the works very much so for, for Ben Simmons. Uh, and, and you and I are in agreement that Golden State would be a, a phenomenal place to see him uh, balling out in 21. Absolutely, 100%. What else you got? on? I see Matt, Bri- uh, Matt Brandon chiming in about his New York Knicks. I want to talk about Kimba and Evan Foyer. I think we've got that on the rundown a little bit. We'll get to a little bit. So hang on, hang on there, and Eric and I will knock that out a little bit later for you, Matt. Yeah, we're, we're definitely going to spend some time on on the Mecca and, and what's going on there in the garden. Um, but sticking with the, the draft here for a little bit, we uh, we ran through some teams that we, we thought did fairly well for themselves uh, a few nights ago. Uh, now on the other side of that coin, um, you know, looking back over the first round, even the first two rounds, uh, who, who was the biggest head scratcher for you? Who was someone that, you know, maybe you felt like was a bit of a reach or uh, wasn't really the best fit for the situation they were heading into as, as a draftee? There's two guys that jumped out to me, and I'm going to go with uh, Joshua Primo, the 12th pick there for the San Antonio Spurs. And you look at that roster, there's not a lot of talent there. Maybe I can, okay, give a, a young prospect that has huge upside, but also an extremely low floor to Greg Popovich and see what if he can work his magic. And the Spurs know what they're doing in prospects. To find Keldon Johnson, that's a guy I had a top 10 grade on a couple years ago, and they got him at the end of the first round. Now we're seeing him uh, basically on the bench with the USA team, but he is with that USA team for a late first round pick a couple years ago. The Spurs know what they like. Devin Vassell, I think he's going to be a nice shooter there in the league for the Spurs as well, but I did not like the Joshua Primo pick. I had a second round grade on. I felt like they definitely reached for that upside on him, and that barely edges out the after we see the Pelicans and the Grizzlies flip spots. So the Grizzlies, Grizzlies move up from 17 to 10 and get Zaire Williams, a guy I had late first round, extremely late first round. If they would have took him at 17, I'm like, all right, they got their guy. But after that trade and you move up seven spots, I would have liked them to see a guy uh, who I believe was a, a better talent. Yeah, Zaire Williams is, is who really stood out for me. Um, and it's it's all it's all relative, right? It's in the context of that deal that they made. It feels like they gave up assets unnecessarily to get this player um, that you know ultimately does have a decently high ceiling, but he's got a lot of development and a lot of work to do before he potentially reaches that, right? And those you know those high risk, high reward moves typically are reserved for the mid to back end of the first round. So to see right. them give up assets and and still end up with a player that likely would have been available to them later. Um, it, it is certainly a bit of a head-scratcher. I'm also with you on uh, on San Antonio's pick. The The only thing that uh, kind of has me hesitant is that front office 
is so premier at talent evaluation, exactly. I, I almost want to give them the benefit of the doubt that right. if they're going to pick someone at 12, there's something they're seeing that that I'm not, right? Um, I think that's the, a fair point. The, the conversation about the Spurs, I think, gets even more interesting. Um, I, I know that we were talking about this uh, on our Discord. Again, drroto.com. Um, you can actually sign up with the promo code DOC. You'll get 5% off. And as a subscriber, you'll get access to our Discord. And as free agency was unfolding, an interesting conversation popped up about those Spurs and Greg Popovich mm-hmm. um, with the departure of a number of his starters through trade and through free agency, um, with this team getting incrementally younger. Do we think that, or at least do you think that Greg Popovich is all that interested in starting from scratch with all these with all these young bucks, or do you think that he might be looking on to uh, greener pastures for himself? Yeah, I mean, I think the I'm, I'm going to go right there with you. I, I think Greg Popovich, at where he's at with his career, he's looking for championships to add to that resume. It's where most, you know, Hall of Fame uh, coaches, you're talking about one of the greatest ever do it in Greg Popovich. He, if he's out there, the thing I would imagine that gets his juices flowing is that playoff basketball going for the championship. And with this young Spurs teams, they've got a lot of young talent that's exciting and fun to watch, but they're not a contender, not anytime soon not in the next year or so. Yeah, it, it's it's going to be interesting to see it unfold. You you would think that he's he's chasing that playoff itch. Um, but you know, maybe with how close he's been to RC Buford and, and to that front office, maybe he likes playing the development game a bit more than than we mm. presume, but Well, let me ask you this. to watch unfold. Because you're talking about that coaching staff there under Greg Popovich, and I think we're right on the cusp. You're seeing how many more women are getting interviews for head coaching jobs in the NBA. So close. I'll let you. I think you already see where I'm going with this. Somebody very close to Greg Popovich that I'm – if we're betting here – I would say the odds on favorite first to uh, first female NBA head coach to be hired here in the next year or so is going to be – hit him with it, Eric. Yeah, it, it, it certainly <laughs> seems like it's going to be Becky Hammond, right? Um, you, know, you, you watch the the amount of involvement that she's had in the coaching, in the development. Um, if you're watching any Spurs games year over year, her seat's moving incrementally closer to Pops every single season, right? Nice. Um, so I, I, I think that that's, that's definitely a, a heady call. It's, it's dialed in. Um, but now the question remains, when, right? Is yeah. it next season? Is it three or five years from now, um, it's 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 going to be an interesting story to watch unfold in San Antonio. I mean, if Popovich is going to move on from San Antonio and you expect him to do it with class, I would expect him to go out and allow them to give him his roses and say he's going to step aside and then the Spurs move Becky Hammonds into that role. It's just a perfect fit and going into that next generation of the NBA and where we're headed. And it's such a uh, beautiful handoff there from Popovich to Becky Hammonds. We're talking about two people that's going to go down in the history of the NBA here. So uh, I think it makes a lot of sense then. He rides off in the sunset for a year and then after a year he comes back with a contending team some teams quickly looking to fire their coach as soon as they drop under 500 and call popovich so uh yeah i'm not i don't have a crystal ball here but if it's going to play out i think it plays out some way similar to that yeah and i think i think this year if if he has a a popovichian performance Mm -hmm. he should pass don nelson for the all-time wins leader 
Um, so maybe maybe he gets that milestone and, and calls it a career. Um, oh, but it, uh, nugget. it's 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 gonna be a good one to watch play out. Absolutely. Um, so so sticking sticking to the draft, mm-hmm. uh, I've I've got one more point I wanted to hit before we we shift gears a little bit, um, and it's specifically to do with uh, something we just gave the the Spurs credit for finding value in the later part of the draft, and mm-hmm. and more specifically, you look at the last three MVPs. Jokic just the year, Giannis back to back in the prior years. Right, all three of those MVPs came from players that were drafted outside of the lottery. Um, so you know, looking for a bit more of a of a deeper cut, maybe not even in year one, but as as you project forward a few more years, who's someone that went outside of the lottery this year that that you think could be in that MVP conversation before long? Well, I'm hoping these two players run a parallel. Last year, I turned a lot of heads when I had Sadiq Bey in my top five prospects, Eric, and then he fell all the way to 19. And now think about that. That was the Brooklyn Nets there at 19. And you think about the depth and what they needed in the playoffs. Sadiq Bey there with Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, what possibly could have been if he wasn't shipped out in some other trade package, obviously. Anyway, I digress. My number four prospect this year in the top five turned a lot of heads as well. His name was Keon Johnson, and Keon slid so much farther past than where I thought he would, even farther past where Sadiq Bay went last year. When Sadiq Bay went 19th last year, Keon Johnson went 21st this year. And I got to thinking about it. I'm like, man, for that kid, if Kawhi Leonard comes back, he might not have went to a better envi- environment with his style of play, what he needs adapted, and playing next to two of the game's best two-way players in PG-13 and Kawhi Leonard when he's healthy. Yeah, it's it's funny. You know, Keon Johnson in specific, I mean, he was, he was very much so in this lottery pick conversation, mm-hmm. and then he just kind of hit a cold streak while he was doing some, some pre-draft workouts. Uh, got a, got a little cold while you're shooting, and all of a sudden he's you know at the back half of the first round. So I I definitely like the the value there. Um, for for me the 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 name that that jumped off um, keeping it in Texas, keeping it in Houston is Alperin Sagoon um, coming over from wow. Um I am increasingly finding myself enamored with players that are coming in with professional experience mm-hmm. even if that professional experience is over in europe um, he's actually coming off of an mvp in the the league that he played in and i think years that he old can, when he was 18 yeah, yeah. exactly um so you know over there in the turkish league we're seeing a lot of this in the olympics right now right the international mm-hmm. game is more and more competitive each year so it's it's not nothing that he's coming in with that mvp from the turkish league and now he comes in. I think he fits in really nicely into that Houston system. You know, can play alongside Wood. Um, you know, maybe if uh, Houston continues their rebuild, he can find himself into a starting role or into more minutes very quickly. Uh, but definitely like the experience that he's bringing to the Houston team. Um, and, and they scooped him up right outside of the right outside of the lottery at the 16 spot. It's interesting you go there because, I mean, the guy I thought you were going to say when you said keeping it Houston and you went with that international vibe, Usman Garuba, this guy was my number 11 prospect in the draft. Yes, the offense needs to be worked, but the defense is stellar. If you watched him with Team Spain play Team USA, where Jason Tatum takes him in the paint, his 7-3 wingspan on his 6-8 body didn't hesitate and stuffed every bit of Tatum's shot, ripped Bam out of Bios dribbles, 
Usman Garuba, another one of these four 19-year-olds that the Rockets took in the first round, and all four of them were within my top 18 prospects in this draft. So you could go anywhere with the Rockets, and you probably have me nodding my head yes. Yeah, yeah, they they really put in some work last week, so it's, it's going to be fun to watch it develop. Um, and, and like I mentioned, the, the draft for the NBA is – Always a great way to watch teams restock and, and uh, you know, re, rekindle that fire. And it's always action-packed. I think this year we saw 14 trades on, on draft day. Right. Um, so just every time you turned around, another move, another team trying to reposition. So ton of fun to watch that come together. And, and for your, fa- your fantasy side of it, Eric, the fantasy side of it also, when you're studying and watching that uh, that draft and that evaluation, you know these prospects coming in and the way the quick return every year is getting faster with these younger kids being so much more developed and talented, bigger, stronger, faster. They're playing immediately and get that edge, studied up on these prospects, see what teams they go for, and it gives you that edge in fantasy, whether we're talking NFL, Major League Baseball, NHL, which, wherever you go know the prospects coming in get you that edge early yeah exactly right the the old adage of don't uh don't follow what someone says follow what they do right mm, when when you I, see a team going out of their way to invest in these prospects they're mm. they're trying to get a very quick return on that right they're absolutely. they're certainly more developmental um you know players to to be considered but with with how the um, CBAs are structured, teams are wanting to get contribution from these players as quickly as possible while they're still very affordable. And so if you see a team make an investment to get a guy and there's a path for them to start, it can absolutely give you an edge on the, on the fantasy game. One hundred percent. I mean, it's what I cut my bones with. Dr. Roto started with him a little over 10 years ago. We actually did our first podcast together 10 years ago, exactly back in 2011, fantasy to reality. And that's how I got in this industry. Doc taught me fantasy. Uh, I would break down the X's and O and Doc would spit it out fantasy. I'm like, hey. This is where the future is going. It's a billion-dollar business. Now the way gambling's taking off and fantasy's taking off, this is where you want to be. And if you have that eye for evaluation, it gives you that leg up each and every year. Couldn't, couldn't have said it better myself. It's, it's, it's really the edge that um, is, is below the surface that you mm. know, tools like the ones we have over at drrotor.com are, are going to shine a light on, and, and that's really where you're going to – um, hit some green screens and and you know cash that in with a championship. So, um, you know, like like I said, fast pace uh, draft night here about a week ago, and then we're immediately followed up with with the two piece with the with the hook to follow. Free agency opened up earlier this week, so um, you know teams were looking to build with some youth through the draft, and then you know immediately turn the page next week to free agency, and we see teams that are looking to have potentially a more immediate term impact. So mm-hmm. a number of franchises went out there and immediately got after it in free agency. And there are a few in particular that seem to be kind of star-crossed. They were really looking at a lot of the same players, um, those being the Chicago Bulls and New York Knickerbockers. I know that Matt asked a question about that earlier. So um, Jason, looking at uh, those two teams in particular and how they've navigated free agency. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where do you think uh, the the tail of the tape lies? Who do you think has improved their team more, and and who do you think has potentially improved their position from a playoff standpoint based on those moves? 
No, that's a great question, Eric, and I think it's a uh, it's an interesting parallel, as you mentioned, that we see with these two franchises. You go through the rosters there, and if you're talking about quality depth, where, I mean, you got talent all the way in the, the starting five. The, you've even got a backup five plus. <laughs> I mean, you can go maybe 12, 13 deep with talented guys that maybe have a little bit of intrigue to them. I'm going with the Knicks there, but if we're talking about what team I think, and this is even on the back of the Bulls not making the playoffs and the Knicks obviously going to the playoffs here and with their additions you expect them to to push a little bit farther get a little bit better that being said no it's the Bulls I would take to be the better team coming up in the 2021-2022 season the reason I say that is they have enough depth you look at most NBA teams and they're running that seven eight nine man roster so if you got 12 13 14 I would expect the Knicks to uh, take a lot of those prospects a lot of those different prospects and work on deals to upgrade either the front end, the the top quality of the rosters, or the top depth on the back end of that roster. But if you're talking about the best team, I'm going with the Bulls. When you have DeRozan, Lonzo, Zach Levine, Patrick William, Vucevic, bring in Alex Caruso, Kobe White, and in the draft, you get Ayo DeSanamu. I mean, this is talent on perfect blend of vets with a nice little developmental rookie there towards the back end here and Lonzo to distribute the ball we saw a little bit last year with the Chicago Bulls the way they use Zach Levine they would let him run point guard we've seen him do the same thing with Team USA so when Lonzo goes to the bench you'll have a little bit of Zach Levine there coming in running point like he did last year and with Team USA. Yeah I, I, I do think that for the majority of the season you'll see Levine slide over more to the to the two guard um but it it, this team in particular Mm -hmm. both of these teams for that matter are exactly the teams that i had in mind when i made my comment about how the dynamic of this year's finals has impacted the way that teams are are building their their roster right Mm -hmm. these are these are two teams that are are taking a look at what they have and what they put out on the court last year and telling themselves Hey, we add a piece here. We improve in this area. We improve in this stat. And why couldn't we be Milwaukee? Why couldn't we be Phoenix? Right. Um, I I do agree that the the Bulls in particular probably have the more favorable starting five of the two. Um, but that that depth in New York is mm. just unreal. Um, and that that works two ways for them. Right. Not only um, are they considering themselves a potential contender if injury breaks in their favor with their opponents, but they can also withstand injury themselves and they've got players to go and almost fill up two benches and Mm. still contribute in a meaningful way. So for, for me, I think the Knicks is a bit more of an interesting storyline to kind of, kind of crease the page on and and look back towards as we get closer to the trade deadline. If, if they think that they've, they've legitimately got a shot, I I think they're probably going to be one of the more active teams uh, in season in in trying to trying to make some moves and if nothing else they've really set themselves up with some nice developmental pieces and some good depth for a deep playoff run yeah, you look at the guys with you uh, talking about possibly moving some of these players when they got 15 interesting players on that. When I say 15 interesting, young prospects coming up, vet guys, depth guys, quality depth guys. I mean, it's it's 15 guys that will factor into NBA rosters. But like you said, the numbers just don't make sense there. Someone's got to be moved. And when you look through this rosters, uh, quickly's not being moved for the Knicks. I mean, that's a nice, young, upcoming talent. I like what uh, what he has in store. I don't think they let him get out the door. Uh, 
they just drafted Grimes and McBride. Ob Toppin's interesting, even though they just selected them last year. If they're trying to move some of these prospects, Mitchell Robinson. Ob Toppin, Kevin Knox, obviously, those are probably the guys that will get moved. I doubt we see them move any of those prospects they handpicked this year. Yeah, for for the for the Knicks, it it gets a little tricky because they've they've done such a good job of acquiring capable, right, kind of plus mm. veteran players at really all of their their holes in the starting lineup. That some of those guys, uh, Ob Knox, even they might not get enough run to where they're going to be able to pull back and return the value that they would want. Um, so that it's, it's just another area to watch the tea leaves, right? If you yeah. see all of a sudden Obi's minutes are creeping up game after game, mm-hmm. he might be getting closer to that trading block because they're trying to showcase him and demonstrate that he can contribute and, and increase the the return. Right. Um, so definitely a storyline to watch. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of a purist and a traditionalist in that, I think the association is better when when the Knicks are at least relevant, if not competitive. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think both of those monikers are fair to put on this team as they've constructed themselves through the draft and through this 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 young free agency period. <laughs> nice. We got Matt chiming back in. Now we touched on his Knicks a little bit there. We also got in our Chicago fans out there. Where are we going next, Eric? Yeah, so I, I think we should probably stay young, right? We've we've talked a little bit, uh, at least a good bit, about uh, about the Rockets and how much right. youth they've added in. Um, you know, most of their work has been done through the draft, but that was the result of prior trades leading into it. So I I, I do want to double click on Houston there and try to get a, a better read on how you think some of these starting battles will play out, and ultimately if you think that some of the more veteran players on this team are maybe queued up for seeing their way out the door uh, around the trade deadline. Uh, well, I might actually sabotage this segment here because there's one of those veteran players that I think it makes no sense to keep him, and I think he needs to be on the move in the Rock- Rockets. Right, I, when I talk about NFL and NBA organizations and I talk about being proactive versus reactive, it makes all the difference in the world. Proactive organizations are championship winning organizations. Reactive organizations are those same teams year after year that can't even make the playoffs. So the Rockets, uh, you sit here and you can be proactive with these contracts and the way the players are here. So, um, excuse me, I'm cutting out a little bit. All right. So, no, with the Rockets, cue me back up again, Eric. I'm sorry. What were you saying? Yeah, so I'm, I'm curious to see how you see these starting lineup battles shake out as we, we kick off the season and if yeah. there are some, uh, some more veteran players that might be on the move around the trade deadline. Yeah, no, exactly. And so Christian was the guy I was referring to talking about moving him. They got him on such a beneficial contract last year, Eric. I'm sure you remember they were talking three years around $27 million, $9 million a year. And then it came back. It was like, oh, it's going to be a sign and trading is going to get bumped to $14 million a year roundabouts. Even at $14 million a year, Christian Wood is a steal. And when you look at teams around the league, an easy one to throw out we were talking about earlier, Eric, was the Golden State Warriors with those three young stars, James Wyatt. Jonathan Kaminga, uh, 
uh, Moody. You've got those guys there, and we were talking about possibly shipping them for Ben Simmons. Well, if the Ben Simmons trade doesn't come to fruition, what about shipping out a James Wiseman or any of one of those three prospects for a Christian Wood? You get that contract back as, as friendly or work out uh, with the James Wiseman contract in return. That's a guy that helps you contribute immediately, and I have to think the Warriors are trying to win a title now and not three to four years from now when uh, Steph, Dre, and Clay all have three more years on their back. Yeah, so, I mean, Steph Curry has now signed an extension to make him the the highest-paid player in the history right. of the NBA, right? So mm-hmm. that is very much so an example of following what teams do, and that is a signal that they are in win-now mode. Mm-hmm. And as much as I hate the idea of this coming to fruition, mm-hmm. I love this concept uh, in terms of uh, Christian Wood being a trade target for the Warriors, right? Um, you know, through reporting, through Shams, through 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 Woj, we now know what the asking price was for Ben Simmons. Mm-hmm. It was all of those developmental players mm-hmm. plus two future firsts, and I think some cash considerations. And Golden State is a very shrewd and and very savvy organization, and they said too rich. Um, so to to look at uh, a player like Christian Wood, who really is the model of the 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 stretch for. Uh, the the modern big man in today's mm-hmm. NBA. If they can get a player like that who can contribute from a defensive standpoint, who can also stretch the floor, who can also score the basket, uh, score the score the ball rather, um, you know, even from range for a significant discount mm-hmm. relative to what they would have to pay for Ben Simmons. I think that's the more likely move that Golden State would make, despite me much preferring to see Ben Simmons suit up there in San Francisco. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it makes a lot of sense. We'll see what happens. I mean, but you look at Christian Wood, when we talk about, you know, seven guys just right off that are part of this Rockets futures between the ages of 19 and 21. And you look at a guy, Christian Wood, who's going into his 26 years old when he uh, this season when he's playing. Why, when you have that contract in two years, when you hope to be really competitive, you'll have to play him uh pay him blockbuster money and you also have four first round picks that will be having contracts coming up uh do as well save yourself read the future of what's going to happen be proactive and flip that contract now where it's beneficial for you and get more young prospects i mean could you imagine a james wiseman last year's number two prospect with the, that group of 19 and 21 year olds yeah it would, it would just be wild to see that see that come together and and with how talented a group uh, that that would be even if they're young. I mean, just just imagine uh, a squad of all twenty year olds mm. starting to make some noise in in the playoffs. Um, oh. it, it would just be a ton of fun to watch. It and doesn't that, that matter. Keeps, it doesn't matter if they make the playoffs or not, Eric. Like you said, they're going to be a ton of fun to watch. People, whether they're Rockets fans or not, would be tuning in because you just got seven, eight young studs that are running like the Showtime Lakers, the, the next generation. You know. Yeah, it would it would it would be a it would be a blast, right? The Houston the Houston organization is not shy about em- their emphasis on on scoring on 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 picking up the pace on moving the mm-hmm. basketball. So um, all of those those young engines, um, you know, out there with with that mission uh, would would just be a ton of fun to watch. So um, you know, we've 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 touched on where teams have gotten uh, in, increasingly younger. Um, we spent a good amount of times on the Warriors. You know, really looking at free agency, I think where it differs from the the draft process 
is is you can really see which teams think that they have a win now window. Um, so we we talked a lot about uh, the the Warriors, how they've built their team out, and maybe some potential moves. Who are a few of the other teams looking over the landscape of free agency that you think really pushed all their chips into the middle and are signaling that this is their chance to to make a run in a title? Yeah, like you said, I think the ones that jump jump right out to you, Golden State Warriors, Los Angeles Lakers, LeBron. LeBron would give a kid up at this point now to make sure he ends his career with at least six titles. I mean, that's his driving engine. I know everyone's saying, no, he wants to play with his son. Okay. All right. He does want to do that as well. I'm not taking that away from him, but the driving engine is that he will have at least as many titles as Michael Jordan before he retires. So uh, make no mistake about that. They're going all in each and every year that LeBron's on that roster. Uh, we talked about Golden State Warriors. Also, let's throw in the Miami Heat, the Kyle Lowry move. Him and Jimmy Butler have been wanting to work together since I believe the reports were saying the 2016 year when they were on that dream team, so to speak, together with uh, Team USA. So you're starting to get all those vets in there. Bam, Adebayo, Precious Achua gets another year older as well. Duncan Robinson comes back. Tyler Hero gives you depth there. Victor Oladipo comes back, which I really didn't expect. And even though he's not the same guy he once was, when you put that type of defense out there, and he was still playing elite defense last year, you put his D out there next to Jimmy Butler and then Kyle Lowry running the point to spread it out to Bam, Bam's defense as well. I mean, this is a two-way team. We talk about two-way players. The Miami Heat for this upcoming season are a two-way team. Easily. And and the, the guy that you called out, I, I think that isn't getting his his due, is Victor Oladipo, right? Mm. Uh, ev- everyone is talking about this this Heat team from the bubble. You know, was uh, was it a mirage? Was it was it just a fluke because of the the layoff and and this kind of pristine uh, setting that the, the bubble offered up? Or are they a couple of pieces away? And while the Oladipo trade happened last season, mm-hmm. we haven't really seen what this team can be with Victor Oladipo. Maybe not contributing it the way that he was, uh, you know, at, at the height of his ability, but he can still participate and and contribute in a meaningful way. And specifically on the defensive side and and his ability to to score from from three, right? Um, you know. Goran Dragic head out uh, essentially in in a straight up trade for Kyle Lowry. You know, most people would identify that as either a neutral or a negative move in terms of their ability to score the score the three. Um, that's why you see Duncan Robinson get this ridiculous contract, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know the 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 pace at which he is shooting the three ball is uh, actually uh, uh, potentially record setting. If he continues getting this look, right? So I, I think answering questions on the defensive side of the ball and how they can how they can contribute from behind the arc was really what the Heat set out to do. And I, I think that by way of of maintaining Oladipo, by maintaining Duncan and by adding Lowry, they they definitely check those boxes. The the big question for me, yes, we can we can definitely say that they are improved. But is it enough to put them over the top to get them back to a finals? Or do you think they're going to be looking up at the likes of a Milwaukee, a Brooklyn again when when the, the finals come around this year? Yeah, no disrespect to uh, Milwaukee. Uh, so which totally means I'm disrespecting Milwaukee here. Kick them out the picture. This is the Nets division unless there's another injury. Like It's funny how we tend to forget when certain players do things dirty. The Nets would have won the title this year if Giannis doesn't run on a closeout under the basket. Wow. 
<laughs> you see the powers of the They're trying to shush me. They don't want me to tell you how it's all rigged. But no. Adam Silver is watching the stream. Yeah. He, did, yeah, he can't yeah. have that. No, seriously, though. Giannis, the, the NBA's uh, baby, uh, seriously. He closes out on Kyrie on a shot that's already made. There's no reason to close out that that hard. And he puts his uh, big foot underneath there. Kyrie comes out. The entire series changes after that. Bucks come back, win the series, go on, win the title. And we know how it all plays out from there. I do not respect this title. Uh, and I don't respect the Bucks. As great as they played there against the Suns, who played an injury team every single round of the playoffs, which I don't respect them as well as championship caliber teams last year. Uh, I, I look at the Nets, and yes, they should have been the title last year, and they should. They're a much better team going into this year. I love the depth, the young depth that Nets teams added this year, and some of the players they brought in. It's the Nets title, unless someone gets injured. Make no mistake about it. Yeah, I mean, there's that just ridiculous closeout, uh, a la Zaza from a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even beyond that, once once Kyrie was injured, they're literally a toenail on a Kevin Durant shot away from winning that series and presumably winning the title, right? That that would put them on the Bucks path. And I think that they would handle just as easily all of the opponents that were in front of them that the Bucks did. So without question. Um, they, you know, the 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 the, the adage, the the joke of a of a game of inches is quite mm-hmm. literal for Brooklyn. I think they're the class of the East. Um, mm-hmm. but looking at what Miami did, do you think that they, they can give them a run for their money and, and come oh. out? It'll be a fight when you have a team that's a two-way team. I mean, it's you know you've got a team that plays defense throughout the entire roster. They tr- they trust each other, which is probably odd when you're talking about a guy coming into a new roster and Kyle Lowry taking such a big position. Oladipo only being there one year, Butler just there a couple years. All that being said, these guys know each other. They're vets around the league. They hold each other accountable. So they're going to fight who whoever they play. This isn't going to be a four-game sweep. When we talk about the Miami. Miami Heaps going to the playoffs, whether it's the Nets or someone else, if that team's even more talented than the Miami Heat, that series is going six or seven games because that's a team of dogs, and they're going to fight for each and every basket. I can uh, I can hear Heat Twitter just pounding their chest right now about about the culture, about mm. how how they're they're going to make the make the best out of out of every every playoff series and. Uh, uh, exploit every matchup, right? So I, I, hmm. I do think that that's the presumed matchup out of the East, and it's it's going to be a fun one to watch. Um, so you you mentioned uh, another team, um, the uh, the once reigning, now now once removed champions in the LA Lakers or the LA LeBrons, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so they they made the biggest splash on on draft night, arguably. Um, uh, the the final details of this was actually reported. Uh, earlier today or maybe yesterday, they they pulled off an 18 piece trade across five teams that mm. netted them Russell Westbrook. Um, so for for me, I feel like they sent out a lot of their shooting, their three point shooting, which is where they were weakest, to get back a dynamic athlete, but one who doesn't really favor the three ball all that well. Um, so I, I think that it's an interesting depth move and, and athleticism move. Um, but what what's your thought on on this this Westbrook trade and some of the other pieces that they've managed to stack up after that in free agency? Uh, it, 
it was funny to me because LeBron shut down Westbrook just a couple of years ago when Westbrook was with the Rockets. I mean, it seemed like every single game he was catching Westbrook from behind on a chase down block, did it to the point where he just completely took Westbrook's soul to where Westbrook was just dishing the rest of the game or shooting three pointers, which we all know is a bad idea uh, when mixed in with Russell Westbrook. Uh, so you look at the Westbrook move, then you bring in his boy Melo. Then you got guys like Malik Monk and Kendrick Nunn, guys. So I'm, it's hard to figure out what they're doing. Like, all right, let's bring in the vet guys. Let's bring in some other bottom tiers for depth. I don't know where the quality is because Anthony Davis has always struggled to stay healthy. LeBron, even though he spends a million dollars a year on his body, we're starting to see his health catch up with him and getting banged up as well. Let's be honest with you. If it wasn't for COVID in the bubble, Lakers probably don't win the championship two years ago. Uh, you get this big break in the middle of a season so Anthony Davis doesn't get healthy. I mean, if you do that every year, maybe AD and LeBron wins the title every year, but over the longevity of a regular season with this roster of aging, player, uh, aging players and the way the injuries have been piling up the last couple years with the unusual schedules uh, athletes are having to go through with COVID, different protocols, lockdowns and all that, we're seeing injuries unlike any time ever before in the NBA and the NFL, and I think we may see that again for at least one more season, if not longer. That being said, if we're concerned about injuries, this Lakers roster should flash red flags to you with the age that is on this roster. Yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting dynamic, um, and we were talking about Brooklyn a few moments ago, and and it it almost kind of reminds me of that, right? Like at, at first blush, it's like. Man, there is only one ball on this court. How are they gonna? How are they gonna? You know, make the most out of this this new big three. But mm-hmm. to the to the point that you were raising, and like we saw throughout most of last season with with Brooklyn, I, I think given the age of this roster, the likelihood that we see all three on the court at the same time is fairly minimal. Um, so, oddly enough, you know, former MVP, uh, one of the few players to average a triple double over the course of a season. Um, might actually be a bit more of a depth move. Mm-hmm. You know, we we can now see this Lakers team withstand an Anthony Davis injury and not have a precipitous drop as they try to trot out uh, THT to, to fill him in, right? And so that's, um, move, that's one of the moves I actually like. When they started doing all these signings, I thought that signaled he would be getting away, and that's the guy, if I'm an NBA team, I'm pouncing on as soon as the Lakers let him move. So I actually like the move to bring THT back. Yeah, yeah, is 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 certainly one of those uh, those those considerations, those times where maintaining your in-house talent is at a premium. Um, I, I I guess the the point that I was driving at, mm-hmm. while THT is a nice piece and and played better than I think most people expected last season, mm-hmm. um, he's certainly not Russell Westbrook, right? right. Um, so I I think that you know he he does add some interesting. Uh, depth at the the top of their roster, which sounds like an oxymoron, um, should we see LeBron or Anthony Davis get hurt? And and kind of like we were talking about with the Knicks, um, you know, with with the Warriors, this is one to to keep an eye on, right? Um, you know, while free agency might be winding down a little bit, I, I don't think the Lakers are are done by any means, right? So I would expect that they add a little bit of youth, they add some shooting as as we we get closer to the trade deadline. Uh, in season coming up here. Uh, let me ask you before we move on here real quick. You got the Lakers. You got LeBron getting another title this year? 
as we currently are constructed, mm-hmm. no, I do not. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think I think it's Brooklyn's to lose. Right. Um, I, I, we we have to assume that um, you know they're they're going to be able to stay healthy, and that's not the safest assumption. But um, you know, assuming that health, I, I think the top of their roster is is easily the best in the league. And to to the point you alluded to earlier, mm-hmm. some of their moves in in free agency this year are picture perfect. That Patty Mills addition, mm-hmm. uh, you know, adds adds uh, some much needed defensive ferocity and the ability to distribute and move the ball um, that you know was was missing when when some of their key players were out or on the bench. Um, so I, I still think that as currently constructed, it's it's Brooklyn's to lose, but there are still a number of question marks out there, right? Um, you know, Kawhi hasn't returned yet. Um, there's still the in-season trade deadline, right? So um, a number of things could could still uh, still unfold that, that would change that. But just looking at those rosters on paper, it's it's got to be Brooklyn for me. Mm-hmm. No, I, no argument for me. Yeah. Yeah, and, and as, as we kind of uh, roll the clock forward and do a little bit of daydreaming, um, there still are moves to be made, right? So, looking out over the landscape, maybe maybe we want to set aside some players that haven't re-signed but are expected to, uh, and, unless you think that they might be on the move. But looking over the landscape of the remaining free agents out there, who who do you think is the best player available, and 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 where would you like to see them head if uh, if if you've got the magic wand? Well, let's skip over Kawhi Leonard. I mean, Kawhi is obviously going to be that guy. Um, but assuming he stays there with the Clippers, like all reports are seem to be leading, and, and maybe throws us a curveball like he did when he went to the Clippers. And so, um, but for me, uh, the guy I like in, you know, off of last year, the back of last year's playoffs, you want to say Reggie Jackson. I mean, it was insane what Reggie Jackson did. But that that being said, that I want to say 31 years old now, I'm going to go with a guy a little bit younger, and I st- I'm still betting on him to hit his upside. And I think you just pair him perfectly with Luka Doncic down there in Dallas, Laurie Markinen. I think they know something about a guy built like Laurie Markinen that can shoot down there in Dallas. And Luka getting him the ball, perfect situation for him to go into. You know, Markkanen is is an interesting player to to sort of zoom in on, right? I mean, mm-hmm. what are we a year, a year and a half removed from him being the the centerpiece of this Bulls rebuild, mm-hmm. right? right? And I mean, granted, they they extended him the qualifying offer, right? So he he is restricted, um, but I mean that that upside is is still there. I think he I think he visited. And is expected to get an offer from Charlotte. Yeah, they're saying the Hornets. Did. They're saying he's likely to sign with the Hornets. But if we're talking about free agency and where I think they're a fit, I think him and Luca, like, do yourself a favor, go down there, replace Christoph Porzingis, and let him ship out Christoph Porzingis to get you some more assets. Yeah, and and the interesting thing with Dallas is is they're actually in a position where they can approach this restricted free agency. The way that you have to, right? Mm-hmm. If if you're trying to if you're trying to add a restricted free agent to your roster, you have to make a well above market offer, right? You you can't you can't go in there and give them a, a fair deal and expect their team not to match that offer, right? Um, and and Dallas is a team, uh, both from a financial standpoint, but also from a mentality standpoint, that 
has the means and is very aggressive to where if Lori Markkinen gets into that into that front office, they they could put the hammer down on an offer that Chicago wouldn't match. So definitely like that um, that that idea of of pairing him up with with Luca. And well, let me return the question. Care. Yeah, let me return the question on you, Eric. Where are you going? Uh, best free agent available. Yeah. So like you said, we we have to set aside Kawhi. Mm-hmm. I actually. I tend to think that he's pulling a little bit of a of a con on on the Clippers. I, I think Ooh. I think we'll see him there at a one plus one deal, and okay. he'll just collect their money while he rehabs, and then opt out next year and and rinse and repeat. Right? Um, oh man! I mean, just the the most cold blooded, ruthless free agent in recent NBA uh, memory is is our dude Kawhi. Um, the the name I guess more realistic that that comes to mind is is exactly who you mentioned in, in Reggie Jackson. Mm. I mean, you, you look at the the run that that he put together during that that playoff stretch during those Western Conference Finals, and I mean he was he was blowing away his career highs for points per game for percentage from three. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, granted, he is he is a bit older. But if if you if you think about that piece and the the, the holes that he can fill, um, you know, a team like Miami comes to mind. If you were to plop him in there, the few question marks they have on that roster are immediately answered if they were to acquire a player like Reggie Jackson. I like that. I like that a lot. Plugging them into that Miami roster. I didn't even think about the team when you were talking about Reggie Jackson. Then you dropped that heat on me, uh, literally. And so I mean, yeah, I like where you went there. Well thought out. Yeah, the I mean, and it seems like Riley and 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 Arison are are gearing up for for one last run, right? They've always been aggressive, so maybe we see it happen. But in in absence of that actually coming across the wire, it's it's always fun to daydream. And and on that, um, you know, we'll we'll wrap up our our review of this period, looking forward again. Um, you know, we've we've talked a lot about how teams use the trade as a tool to improve their roster. So looking over the entire landscape, no holds barred, what would you say is the dream scenario for a trade to play out um, here heading into, into next season? Uh, just get into a player. When I, I'm, I don't really have a team in the NBA or NFL. Uh, I, I really like players. You see them get moved around so much. There's just certain players I like and watch their style of play and just – really respect the greatness of what they have and you just see it jump off and you realize like man just enjoy watching this while this guy plays right so i like just watching different guys uh from around the league but when you're talking about a dream scenario two guys i've really liked watching zion williamson damian lillard shake them up put them together Shake and bake. I mean, I, that's what I need to see. I need to see Damian Lillard and Zion Williamson. So that's the trade. If we're talking about a dream scenario, I want to see Dame and Zion and see what they can do because I think Dame brings out the best of Zion if you get that vet point guard on that roster that he needs. And and that point oh, guard position is such a question mark for New Orleans. And, and who just uh, – someone you know very well, Eric – who just uh, was hired on, left the Nets and was hired on as an assistant with New Orleans, knows something about getting the most out of a point guard, seeing how he led Steve Nash and James Harden to MVPs. 
Oh, is Dan Tony down yeah. in New Orleans now? Yeah, Dan Tony yeah. left the Nets and he's signing on with Willie Greenstaff down there uh, with the New Orleans Pelicans. So if you get Dame down there with Mike Dan Tony, the same way he made Steve Nash an MVP, the same way he made James Harden an MVP when he moved him to point guard, he would take Dame. And I know this sounds crazy and a little bit scary. He would take Dame to the next level. And with Zion, sign me up to watch that. That that would be an absolute dream scenario to see play out. And and maybe one that's not too far-fetched. The way that New Orleans has been approaching the, the point guard position, mm-hmm. it, it is a known gap in their roster. And they've been kind of lackadaisical in how they've been thinking about it in free agency. Came out today that they offered Chris Paul a laugher of an offer. Uh, I think it was like three years, uh, 100, 102 million, something like that. Um, you know, they're, they're letting players like Mike Conley out the door. I mean, ultimately, they've managed to to trade uh, Ball and Bledsoe for Sadoransky and Graham, right? Um, wow. So, I mean, it's it's still it's still a big question mark. And, you know, that, that front office and, and Dave Griffin has shown a willingness to be aggressive. So we, mu- we might actually see it come together, and that would be – Absolutely phenomenal. Um, for for me, that that dream trade is is the one we were talking at, at the at the top of the show. I mean, just just the idea of Ben Simmons developing alongside Draymond Green, distributing the ball to those shooters. I think it would be an absolutely lethal combination. Um, it sounds like the asking price is a bit too rich for what the Golden State front office is willing to take on, but all of those things are relative and they will change in time, right? So. Um, you know, it's it's not unreasonable to think that that could come together and it, it would really lead to just another absolutely uh, amazing and fun NBA season. So with that, um, I, th- I think we've we've dotted all of our eyes and, and crossed all of our T's on uh, the, the couple of weeks of free agency and, and this offseason activity. Um, and it, at least speaking for myself, I'd imagine you're you're in the same boat. I'm super pumped about this year to come and watching all of these chess moves actually play out on, on the court. I'm, I'm excited where we, whether we're talking about watching the contenders, like we talked about the, the Lakers, the heat golden state warriors. And the, like you said, the moves they could potentially make, what do the 76ers do now? I'm also just as intrigued in these young guys, John Morant off of what he did in the back of those play uh, playoffs. Who do you pair with Zion and Brandon Ingram there? They're in new Orleans to take them to the next level. The really young guys. We talked about that rockets roster at depth. Well, you look at that Orlando Magic roster, and here's a team that runs pretty parallel to the Houston Rockets when we talk about young guys with a lot of talent. So there's going to be a ton of teams to watch. That's going to be a lot of fun. So, yes, Eric, I'm right there with you. I'm looking forward to this upcoming season. Yeah, it's, it's going to be an absolute blast. And, and as we close out, uh, Jason, tell tell the people a little bit about, about yourself, about your work, where where they can find you out there, um, and, and so they can keep plucking these, these nuggets for – uh, for NBA and, and for NFL. Yeah, absolutely. I'm at Jason Braddock on Twitter. You can follow me on Facebook as well. Uh, get at us at drroto.com. You know the Braddock's breakdown. You've seen it on YouTube. You've seen it back in January, and then it disappeared. Where did it go? 
Dr. Roto, my good friend. I told you, have known him for over 10 years now in this industry. Hit me up in January and said, I want it on the platform. We're getting a team of experts. Basically, it was like the Blue Brothers. I put on shades and a black top hat. Doc put it on. We're wearing underwear while we were doing it. It, it was got a little <laughs> awkward, but he talked me into it. I'm here at DrRoto.com. Braddock's Breakdowns here at DrRoto.com, and we brought the whole team with you. Last time I was with Dr. Roto, whether it's 2011 at Roto Experts, 2017 on Sirius XM Fantasy with Adam Ronas, or if it's right now. We brought the bread truck. Now we built the entire factory and brought all the workers with us, the team of experts. We're printing the dough. Come get this bread. We're giving it out. Come on in. Check us out. Uh, Braddock's Breakdowns now now happily at home at drroto.com, and the office is officially open. So, again, head over to drroto.com. Uh, we, we do have a, a, a special offer going for new signups. Use that promo code DOC, get 5% off. And, and like Jason said, back up that Brinks truck because the, the championships and those green screens are, are sure to follow once you mm. sign off. So, uh, again, Jason, thanks for your time. Thank you for your expertise. Uh, it's, it's been a ton of fun chatting some hoops with you, and we'll, uh, we'll look to do an update here as we get a little bit closer to the, the kickoff of the season. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Thank you for taking the time out with me, Eric, to join Braddock's Breakdown. This is great talk. We had a lot to catch up on. I'm glad we was able to get it all fit into just one hour. And thank you from all the commenters as well. Continue to come back twice a week. You get Braddock Breaks Down again now at DrRoto.com. We're out.